today on It's Time. If you're a child of God, nothing can happen to you unless God wills it. And if God allows it, it's only to strengthen you in the long run. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Colossians. So, open your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. And so, as he tells us here, he holds the world together. You know, I believe someday when God allows this whole earth to melt with a fervent heat, he's just going to simply take his hand off of the atom and let it do what it would do by natural occurrence, like charge to repel. And the whole world, I believe, is just going to go into a nuclear meltdown. The Bible says it melts with a fervent heat. He holds all things together. By the way, if he can hold the atom together, he can hold us together too. I like that. In him is the answers that we need. Verse 18. He's the head of the body, head of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and that all things may have the preeminence. Now again, the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? He's the first one that came back to life to grant all of us eternal life. We remember that up to the time that Jesus rose from the dead, there wasn't really any hope for everlasting life. The Bible tells us Jesus gives a great illustration where rich man and Lazarus die. And the Bible says that when, the, when Lazarus died, the angels came and got him. I like that. It says when the rich man died, they buried him. But that wasn't the end of him. The Bible says that we find them both in a place called Sheol. The English word is the word hell, but it's not a proper word. It's really a place of holding. You have those that died without Christ going to the torment side of Sheol. And then you have the paradise side, the Abraham's bosom side, that was comfort. And we know that they could converse one to another. A lot of interesting things about that particular story. Remember the rich man was aware of who Abraham was. He could communicate. He also remembered who Lazarus was, which also causes me to think if a person in hell knows who somebody is, they probably would remember all the mean things they did to other people. Maybe even Lazarus. We also realize that this man in Sheol, in the torment side, calls out to Father Abraham to come dip his finger in the water, send Lazarus over to cool his tongue. He's tormented in the flame. We know that there's a place of torment, a fire. He also knew he was thirsty, so he was very much aware of physical need. We also know that he said, tell my five brothers not to come to this terrible place. So he had a lot of consciousness going on there. He, he had his physical needs. He had his thoughts, his patterns. And we remember that they, we have this description of this place where people would go. 
Now, the Bible here says the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. When Jesus came back to life, the Bible says he preached to those in the Abraham's bosom side, those that were in captivity that died in faith, and he led them all captive. This place is closed down. Why is that? Well, the blood of bulls and goats can never really cover the sins of man, only the blood of Jesus. But when the supreme sacrifice was made, he did that. Now he says he's the firstborn from the dead. He's the one that proved there was power over death. And I think that's extremely important. What does a dead person need? Life. Isn't it funny how different products in the world try to offer life? There's cereal named life. There's uh, Miller High Life. There's uh, all kinds of... And you know what? You can take many of those products that say they bring life and you can pour them all over a dead person and the dead person won't get out of the casket. Isn't that weird? Why? Well, they don't bring the life that you need. Only Jesus can do that. And so he says, it pleased the Father... Oh, by the way, verse 18, it says, And he's the head of the body, head of the church, the beginning firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. First in rank, first in inheritance. That's who Jesus Christ is. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. So anybody that says that Jesus isn't God just simply hasn't read the Bible. Certainly they haven't read Colossians. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth, things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. Again, Jesus' blood on the cross appeased the Father. You don't have to appease the Father. You you don't have to. uh, That's why we can be free in Christ. I like that. You know, a lot of times religion tries to get you to appease God. Again, burning the incense sticks, doing all these different things. Hopefully, we can get God's anger away from us. You know, it's funny that I believe that it's within man to know that God is angry at human beings. That's weird, isn't it? People know that. Uh, uh, you, you, You read that in your insurance policy or any other acts of God. Like God likes to go around chucking firebolts at people, you know. Here's a lightning bolt for lunch. Any other acts of God. Because God is angry with people. Well, it's weird that people kind of know that. And it's weird how religions will play upon that. But Jesus Christ took away God's anger, reconciled us to the Father, and now we're his children. Wow, that should change our perspective of how we all live each day. So he says, he's reconciled us, all things to himself, By him, whether things on earth, things in heaven. By the way, as we go back, that God created everything, even things unseen. That's a weird thought, isn't it? He created things unseen. Well, it says, things in heaven, things on earth, having made peace through the blood of the cross. And you, who were once alienated enemies in your mind by wicked works... He is now reconciled. Isn't that good to know that we can be reconciled, be on the same page with God? I like that. And then he says, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless 
and irreproachable in his sight if you continue in the faith. Now notice there's a condition here. We're not saved by our works. We all know that. The Bible's very clear about that. But the next question is, this isn't so much our salvation as it is our thought patterns. Do you want to be saved? Now, I think most of us would say yes. I think there's an element sometimes when we backslide or we do things we know we're not supposed to do, where God begins to move on us via that invisible Holy Spirit call our conscience and begins to work on us to reconcile us back to the Father again. That would cause us to continue in the faith that we started with and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you, you have heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. It's noteworthy here that uh, God preaches through nature to people. You know, people have always asked the question, well, what about the Ubangi in deepest, darkest Africa? And if there's any Ubangis in deepest, darkest Africa listening today, that's only an illustration. But the point is, is that God will hold every individual accountable to what they know of God. In other words, they see the sunrise, they see the sunset, they see a natural order of things. They realize, you know, I I think evolution and the teaching of it thereof is probably one of the greatest insults to God and humanity at large. I think it's the biggest lie that's ever been perpetrated in the world but the problem with evolution, it's like walking up to a, a show car, a restored 56 Corvette, and looking at that, and the guy that restored it is standing right there, beautiful, every stitch in the upholstery is where it's supposed to be, no door dings, the tires are perfect, all the wheel bearings have been replaced down to the U-joints. I mean, the car is immaculate and it's sitting there and you walk up to the owner who spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars and hours restoring this and you look at him and you say, wow, isn't it amazing how that dust storm made this? You go, what? There's no way a dust storm is going to make this Corvette and and, and all. It's an insult to the person who restored it. And then to say that everything that we see, from the rising of the sun to the setting thereof, to the trees, to the flowers, to the mountains, to just the wonder of water, H2O itself is amazing. And say, wow, all happened, not by a whirlwind, lightning hit a swamp. What an insult to God that he makes everything. And then the bottom line is to say it's a cosmic accident. Well, again, totally impossible. And when you look at all the ingredients that go in to what our creation in this world has been, how there was a natural order of all things. And God then looks at humans and says, can't you see that? Paul tells us in the book of Romans that nature itself teaches us there has to be a God. And he says only the fool has said in his heart there is none. So therefore, because of that, we realize that that we can miss what God has for us by not looking at this up close. 
He says that you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you've heard, which was preached to every creature of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, one of the things, again, that you're not moved away. What would move you away from the promises of God? You always have to think about that because that's what the devil wants to use to get you away from God. Uh, the devil's not stupid. I, I've often heard people say, well, don't ever say anything out loud because then the devil will hear it and he'll make it happen. Well, all I can tell you is this. If you're a child of God, nothing can happen to you unless God wills it. And if God allows it, it's only to strengthen you in the long run. Verse 24, he says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. He, he's saying, what I'm lacking, I, I thank you. Fill me up because of of." What I'm not able to do, but because of your joy and me being able to minister to you, that completes my heart. You know, you have to realize that no matter what happens in in Christ, somebody had to make a sacrifice to get the gospel to you. He says, of which I became a minister. According to the stewardship, or literally the administration from God. Uh, We are what we are by the grace of God. We don't make what we are, as we shared this many times. You discover who you are, and I think that's extremely important. And so Paul is saying here that I'm a minister through the administration from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. God. You would not heard the word of God, Paul saying, if I hadn't became a minister and I'm a minister because God's the one that commissioned me to do that. That's the way God's economics work. God enables us to do what we do for him. And then by the way, on judgment day, he rewards you for being faithful in what he's called you to do. I like that. And he says, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. This mystery of who God was in the Old Testament, as we mentioned earlier. This unknowable God. Now all of a sudden we see Jesus Christ. In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. You want to know what God was like in the Old Testament? Look at Jesus Christ in the New. That's who God is. Simple. It was a mystery, but God then revealed it to his saints. By the way, it's not revealed to people that aren't his saints. I've I've read a lot of the religions of the world, what they believe, you know, God is like a big elephant that holds the world on its back. They got all kinds of ideas. But he goes on and he says, the mystery which was hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints, to them God willed to make known the riches of the glory of God, the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I've underlined that in my Bible because I believe it's so important. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I like that. Jesus in you is what allows you to get through what you got to get through. And then he goes on and he says, that's the riches of God. You have something you can't buy. It's something God has given to you. Him we preach. Warning, and literally the word in the Greek here in the warning is to impart knowledge to someone. Every man teaching every man in all wisdom 
that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. By the way, it's the only way we'll ever be perfect is in Christ Jesus. We'll never be perfect in ourselves. And so this is why we rely on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. To this end, I also labor striving accordingly to his workings, which works in me mightily. You know, again, God is working in you mightily as well, if you're a Christian, to point people to him. That's all God wants us to do, is just point people to him. And I want to encourage you this morning. As we read earlier, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, verse 23, and are not moved away, what would move you away from the love of God? Think about it for a minute. Fame, career, fortune, getting married, getting a divorce. <laughs> what, what is it that would move you away from God? Whatever it is, stop and just say, okay, God, forgive me and go on with Christ today. That's what God wants. You see, the thing is, is that his promises are new every morning. If you're not a Christian and you're listening to this and you're saying, but I, I, I want to get right with God, but I don't know how. The Bible says if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that if I'll say, okay, Lord, I'm a sinner. I missed your mark. I missed your best for my life. From now on, I want to serve you. The God says, God says, I'll forgive you right now. Isn't that great to know? Didn't have to earn it. Didn't have to wear blue. Didn't have to sign a pledge card. All I had to do is just say, okay, Lord, thank you for what you've done for me. God didn't make it hard. Except a man becomes a child, he'll not enter into the kingdom of heaven. There is no hidden agenda in the Bible. I get angry with the religions of the world that have their hidden agendas. And then once you get into their little claws and what they get you in, then they start revealing to you the inner sanctum. Dangerous stuff. But when you come to Christ... Jesus lays it all out before you. Whosoever will may come. Bible says, if you confess me, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. What a great deal. You have an advocate. Now you have a lawyer that pleads your case. You say, but Mike, I'm a scumbag. God says, I specialize in cleaning scumbags. I like that. Because the truth of the matter is, if we're really honest before God, whether you grew up in a house with a white picket fence and you thought you were Miss Goody Two-Shoes, or whether you grew up in some dark, unknown, terrible place, we're all sinners needing to be saved by God's grace. There's not one of us that are righteous in ourselves. None. Only in Christ. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. The Bible says we need to do basically two things. They came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what are the works that we've got to do to go to heaven? I, I could just see him thinking, well, you know, you got to go out and do something really super spiritual. And then people will say, yeah, that sounds good enough. And you know what Jesus said? Believe that the father has sent me. What? Just believe that the Father has sent me. What does in that believing do? The believing is you're not going to make it on your own by anything you manufacture. It's believing that the Father sent the supreme sacrifice that now makes us holy. Wow. Do you know when you're holy, you know something that you'll find? Your past doesn't have the claws that it used to have to drag you around. When you're forgiven, that claw has been removed. 
And that's what you need today. That's what I need. That's what we all need. Not just once, 100 years ago or 50 years ago or 75 years ago when we accepted Christ when we were a child and we're in the old folks' home on an oxygen mask. It's something we need every day where God does his forgiveness every day in our life. Because you see, once you're forgiven, the past does not hold preeminence. The preeminence, as we just read, is Christ. Because again, in verse 18, it says that all things, he may have the preeminence. Jesus must be first in everything. You see, that's why he's God. Only God can forgive sins. And letting God do that for you today. Saying, God, I'm sick of trying to define my life my way. From this day forward, I'm going to repent and I'm going to live for you. The Bible says, welcome to his kingdom. We're going to pray. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you pray this. God will do as you ask. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of all the things wrong that I have done in my life. I've not lived for you. At times I made fun of you. And so I ask you now to forgive me in Jesus' name. Wash my sins away that I can live for you each day. And I ask you to make me the best I can be for your kingdom. Use my life to be a blessing. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me, God, to be about your business. May you have the preeminence in my life that all things are about you. And so, God, I turn my life over to you today. Thank you for eternal life, that I may spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that. Welcome to God's family. He died on the cross for you, shed his blood for you. And by accepting that, that makes you holy. We put on his righteousness. It's not that, well, someday I'll attain that. Paul says it's like we put on a coat around us, his righteousness makes you holy. Start reading your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 3. And just read every day. God will speak to you as you read his word. The second thing the Bible says is to be baptized. It's the first act of obedience. Not for salvation, but to be about your daddy's business. Get baptized. And the Bible says, hang out with Christians. Fellowship. Instead of your friends kicking you the wrong directions as they did in the world, You'll have a group of people around you that love God that are going to encourage you to do what God has called you to do. And that's it. Love God. Love each other. You're going to grow. You're going to live. You're going to have a reward in heaven that lasts forever. That's what the Bible talks about. This morning, if you prayed that for the first time, I got some literature I'd like to give you. Just God of Wonders, a great DVD out, God Made Everything. Evolution versus God. You know, a lot of people are tripped up saying because evolution has been taught in our schools, in our society, uh, to the level that it's fact. And it's the biggest fabrication lie that has ever been advised, ever been devised by people. Only to talk people out of their faith. And uh, evolution versus God really uh, knocks the wheels off the bus and so I want to make sure you get that. If you don't have one, you've been coming here, please just say, I, I need one of those DVDs. I got a friend in college and they, they're really being beat up by their college professor. This is what you need. And then there's another little book called Time to Grow and explains all the things about being a Christian. I want to give that to you too. 
So if you accept the Lord today or you'd like to go on a tour of the radio afterwards, I want to invite you to do that. But but I want to give you those materials and anybody listening uh, around the world will try our best to get those materials to you as well. Let God do what he wants to do in your life today. Father, for each person here, may we walk in your love and may we walk in your strength. For those that said yes to you, may you anoint them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your power, God, that they would understand that you're the preeminence. The mystery of knowing you throughout all the Old Testament has been found and revealed in you, Jesus. And so we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and we'd walk in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse-by-verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.